and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, as always, here with my co-host, A to Z Sports writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. We talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to it on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. YouTube.com. Search up A to Z Sports and subscribe there, and you can see Zach and I's beautiful faces. Um, beauty, of course, is subjective. And uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, and uh, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that we write on the old internet about sports in the state of Tennessee. Just want to start the show uh, quickly, just with a quick shout out to uh, a friend of the show and a friend on social media. I, we haven't ever actually met in real life, but he is certainly uh, a homie, a staple of Vol Twitter, Dr. Vol. Uh, he... I'm not going to get into the personal stuff. You can, if if you know him, you see him on social media. You probably kind of know what's going on. But thoughts and prayers out to the man. He's a great dude, and uh, just prayers for him, for his family. Um, he's having a, a hard time at the the moment. I just want to give him a shout out because he's a great guy uh, who has kind of been a a fan through all of the nonsense that I've done, and uh, like I said, a friend on on social media. So. Thoughts and prayers for for him and a shout out here to start the show. And then we can move on uh, and start the show incredibly. It's it's not always that this gets to happen with uh, Tennessee sports, but it is, I guess, in the last couple of years, this has been happening more and more. We get to talk about a championship. The Tennessee wins. We got to do it a few weeks ago with Tennessee basketball winning the SEC tournament. And then now, Tennessee baseball, we'll see if they win the SEC tournament in, in just uh, a few days. But they won the SEC regular season. And they won the SEC regular season with four games remaining on their schedule. Three SEC games remaining. Um, Arkansas ended up losing their series, I think, to Vandy. Or did they, did they end up winning it? They lost at least one game to Vandy. And so that... Uh, gave Tennessee the SEC win um, on it, Vandy in extra innings, beat Arkansas. It, this was really, it was all just poetic justice. It was a beautiful little sequence of events. Tennessee wins their game over Georgia. It comes down to if Vandy wins this game against Arkansas, Tennessee wins the SEC uh, regular season. And uh, shout out to Vandy. They pulled it off. <laughs> And Tennessee wins the SEC regular season championship. Great stuff. Got got the shirts ordered. I hope you do too. Uh, but uh, great news to start this one out. But Zach, man, what is up? Uh, not a whole lot. I'm trying to. I want to ask you. I, I'm sure we've talked about this before with basketball. But what do you view as the better accomplishment in uh, college baseball? Winning the regular season SEC or winning? the tournament because there's so many games in baseball that winning the regular season really just shows what you accomplished all season like through the grind of the season uh 
winning tough weekend series. That's what it takes to to do this. That's what Tennessee's been doing. They've won every series except one. Uh, but there's something special about winning a tournament as well. I just feel like in baseball, it's a little different. I agree that the the regular season, it's not going to mean as much because it isn't just that that one-to-one victory where you can go, like, you know, if Tennessee ends up playing Arkansas in the championship game and tournament this week, you can go like, I beat you, we won this championship. It's it's more of a thousand-foot view. But yeah, realistically, winning the regular season in baseball specifically, just because of the crazy up and downs of what a baseball season can bring, and, and Lord knows we've seen them, injuries, slumps, everything that's happened. To me, winning the regular season is really the more impressive feet and especially winning the regular season the way that Tennessee did where they're just I believe at this point five games ahead of Arkansas it's absolutely absurd um and they they just steamrolled their way through I mean five SEC losses in the entire span the best SEC season ever was three losses in the SEC so as good as this Tennessee team was it is not the greatest SEC season ever um, they, they pulled off a whole lot of greatest evers this season so far. That was not one of them incredibly. And you do, you almost go like, thank goodness. It sort of came back down to earth here at the end of the season. You, you realize you get a little dose of reality and it's actually probably good because you were flying so close to the sun with all of the, is this the greatest college baseball team of all time talk and crap like that. And I hate that. I hate it so much. It's. It, it can be true, and I think it was true when people said it. Um, at, at certain points in the season, Tennessee has looked like arguably probably one of the great college baseball teams of all time. Um, and they are certainly, at least through the regular season, the best of this current season so far. But I just... I, I, don't, I don't mind the fact that the sweeps kind of stopped... Because there was that expectation of like, well, are we going to sweep everybody? No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to sweep everybody. It's not how baseball works. And I I love how this has turned out. You're just comfortable for this final series against Mississippi State. You, I mean, almost, I don't know if Vitello will really do this, but you could kind of rest guys, get everybody prepared for the postseason. We'll, we'll see what Vitello does. But it's, it's exciting to have this thing locked up with season remaining. Yeah, I, I don't think we're ever going to see like a a new greatest college baseball team of all time. I don't know what team you would consider that uh, from the past, but college baseball now it, it's such a weird, weird sport in the fact that it's not like college football. It's not like college basketball, where you you need to recruit well, but you don't need to recruit super well because if you go out there and you you get commitments from the top high school baseball players in the country. Well, half of those players are never going to make it on campus because they're going to be drafted out of high school. I mean, Tennessee's been on the end of that several times. I mean, famously, Mookie Betts, you know, had signed with Tennessee or committed to Tennessee, and he's drafted early, and he never steps foot on campus. And so it's a very strange sport where you can't – Tennessee's not going to go out there and just dominate in recruiting now because – you just don't know who's going to end up in town and who's not and because of the way that talent's kind of distributed. It's really hard. I mean, it makes what Tennessee has done this year even more impressive, but I feel like this is kind of like the ceiling for what a college baseball program can do in, in this era. Yeah, you, you'd have to think. I mean, this is nearly about as good as a regular season can get. Obviously, 
there has only been a couple of other SEC seasons that were better ever. Only a few regular seasons in general in big time college baseball that have been better. I mean, it is right up there with some of the the great all time regular seasons. And it to keep this going. This is why I've always, as much as he now bugs me after this year, uh, it's why what what uh, Vandy's coaches has always done has been so impressive. You go like mm-hmm. to keep to be that stout for so long is tough is extremely tough and if Vitello can do that it's unbelievably impressive I do think it has to be so attractive it's this is a cool little anecdote my my wife's cousin is uh 13 um somewhere around in there and he he's big time baseball uh dude and wants his aspiration is to play college baseball I've talked to him about it and he, we were talking to him on the phone this week, you know, having a little family call. And I, I was like, Hey, have you heard about Tennessee's closer who can throw up one Oh six? And he's like, yeah, man, I've seen him. And it, it's like, awesome. And we were talking about it and he's not a Tennessee fan. He's not a, he's from, he's a kid from Virginia. He's not like they're, they're Virginia tech fans. And he's heard, and knows about this Tennessee baseball team and you're getting that word out there and it's, and it's cool, you know, for a kid that's coming up and could potentially be, you know, a recruit in the future. And it's those sorts of things that you go like, this is how you keep that train rolling. You make this thing look cool. You're the most prominent team in America. You have, you have carrot, like this team has characters on, on the squad with Honcho, Ben Joyce, Luke Lipschitz, like the, just these dudes that that have their interest. It's an interesting team to watch play, and they do stuff that looks fun. Like to a to a kid coming up in high school, the fact that they put on a fur coat and and a silly hat when they hit a home run, that has to be. You look at that and you go like, "That's what I want to do." That in college, I want to hit a homer, and then get get a fur coat and a and a hat. Like, I th- those those are the things that don't show up on a win-loss column, but that are going to keep your program great going forward. And that's, it's really exciting. And and I, I hope that Vitello can, can capitalize. Like it seems like he's probably going to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I haven't really thought about that aspect of it, but you see so many comments from uh, traditional baseball people that just hate Tennessee baseball. They, I mean, there's even some Tennessee fans that don't like some older Tennessee fans that don't like the flair that this team plays with. Uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, my my 10-year-old is, is big into baseball, and we spend a lot of time at a lot of weekends at baseball fields. That's where we were at this past weekend, uh, four hours away from home playing in a, in a, in a baseball tournament. And at, at, you see a lot of the kind of college antics from 10-year-olds because that's what they're watching on YouTube. I mean, that's what they want to see. They They like the bat flips. Uh, my kid is even, my kid's one of the more animated <laughs> kids at times on the field, which is funny because I was never that way at all. But I, I mean, he, he bat flipped one time on a ball that he thought was out and it, it hit the fence. And so he, had uh. to, uh, I have it on video too. I remind him of it often, but that's what these kids want to do. And you can like it, you can hate it, but it's not going to change. I mean, kids like they play with energy. They just enjoy the, 
that kind of uh, environment. And yeah, they're going to gravitate towards that program. I mean, you, do you want to go play for Tony Vitello or do you want to go play for, uh, you know, Dave Van Horn in Arkansas who doesn't like any of that stuff? And, you know, there's another element to the recruiting stuff here with Vitello in Arkansas that I wrote about a little this week. I had some Arkansas fans uh, DMing me on Twitter, uh, adding me on Twitter. Because one thing in, in the youth baseball world is we're, as parents, we're so much more involved uh, with our kids' sports and their lessons and their practices. So it's way different than, than when than we were kids. I remember my parents just dropping me off for baseball practice, come pick me up. They that Sometimes they drop me off for games or they wouldn't come to my away games, stuff like that. And it's just not that way anymore. So kid, parents are very involved. They want to make sure their kids are being taken care of. And you see somebody like Tony Vitello who he might pull his pitchers early because he doesn't want to run their pitch counts up to 100, 120, 130 pitches a game because he's thinking about their future, you know, beyond college baseball. And Dave Van Horn at Arkansas, we saw with Kevin Copps last year. I mean, he threw almost 200 pitches in a single weekend, 180, random 100 round. I mean, that is not really that's just not something you should do at all as a coach and the kid cops i'm sure would tell you i'm okay i, I volunteered to do it i mean what college kid doesn't want to go out there and compete they want to win for their team these teams are super close but as the coach you kind of got to take care of them you got to protect them from themselves vitello does that and i think that's something that kids will gravitate towards as well you saw it this weekend he starts Ben Joyce, who has been a, a reliever and sometimes closer for Tennessee this season. And, you know, people were like, whoa, this is crazy. A kid who could throw, you know, routinely throw like 103 um, starting for, for Tennessee. And it's kind of it, it was a mixed bag of an outing, but generally pretty good. And Vitello, after the fact, he goes you know, he's just asked about it. And he says, I think Ben Joyce could be a starter in, in the pros. And so we're going to give him that shot. It was something to that effect. I don't know the exact quote off the top of my head, but it was something to that effect. And you see the motivation in Vitello there where he is here for these guys. He wants these guys to be featured. He wants them to, to put, put their best foot forward, obviously to win baseball games, but, but for their, their future. And that's the perfect example uh, right there. Cause yeah, you, you look at, at Joyce, you don't go, Oh yeah. A guy throwing heat like that is certainly going to be a starter. You go like that kid could be a killer closer, mm -hmm. um, in, in the pros. But the, the thing with that is that MLB teams don't typically draft a, a guy to be a closer. Typically those guys yeah. get transitioned to that at some point in the minors when they, they, maybe they don't develop a third or fourth pitch or they just don't have the length to go five, six, seven innings deep into a game. Joyce, I think I think Vitello knows that's what Joyce wants to do. I think he knows that that's his best shot at getting drafted, and then maybe he transitions to that closer role. Because role. I'm kind of with you. I think that's where he ultimately ends up throughout his career. But I think Ben Joyce probably could have benefited Tennessee as a starter this year. I mean, imagine him going five, six innings. But Vitello's kind of you – know, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's eased him – back into the mix that's that's kind of why he's been out of the bullpen where you're not throwing a lot on him this first year coming back which is the smart thing to do is the proper way to handle ben joyce but he could have easily just put him out there and and ran his inning his pitch counts up his innings up and 
kind of put him in that starter role, and maybe it helps Tennessee win more games than they did, but then maybe Joyce runs into arm problems next year when he's not at Tennessee. Well, Vitello's showing that he's putting the kid and his future above, you know, the program in a way, which is, I mean, what more could you ask for if you're a, a college athlete wanting to go pro or if you're a parent, parent of that college athlete? Yeah, because you know that Joyce is going to go from there. And if he ever talks to a kid who's coming up and getting talked to by Tennessee, he's going to go like, you know what Tony did for me? He put me up on the mm-hmm. mound as a starter. He gave me that shot. And and he wanted me to to kind of get my name out there as a potential starter for MLB to help me out. And and that's invaluable. That's what a recruit mm-hmm. wants to hear. Why would, it's It's massive stuff like that. And don't discount it. Like I said, it's stuff that doesn't show up in a win-loss column, but is extremely valuable and so hopefully even even if the season doesn't turn out with the national championship like like we'd all hope the ideal situation is that this this becomes essentially a you know a dynasty would be nice that's probably the strongest way that i could put it that would be great but, it does feel like he's the next one of those kind of long-time well-known sec baseball coaches at this i point. want the beginning him- of a long tenure Yes, I want him to be the guy who everybody else in college baseball goes like, Ugh, why do we have to deal with this? It's all of us with Saban in college football. You know, we all go like, God, why doesn't that guy just retire? All of our lives would be easier. And this would just be so much nicer if he would just get out of the sport. I want Vitello to be that guy. Let's have one of those. Well, I don't Ole care Miss that it's fans. not in football. Oh, Miss fans are already clamoring for him on social media. Oh, I mean, man. they they want to hire him, and they. I know we've talked about it before, but it feels like when Tennessee fans thought that they could steal like Chris Peterson from Washington or something like that, like it's just it's not going to happen. It's if just he, not. If he wasn't going to leave for LSU, which is the mm-hmm. cream of the crop in college baseball jobs, one of the best, he wasn't going to leave for LSU. He's not going to go to Ole Miss. No. I mean, come on. Hello, somebody. Let's wake up. Uh, but I have seen that. They yeah, they want their guy gone. Um, and and this I, I am pretty interested just to add into this talk, although we will have another show before the tournament starts. This SC tournament's gonna be interesting. Obviously, Arkansas mm-hmm. is very good. Tennessee hasn't played Arkansas yet. Um if I wonder, I it, just go ahead. I, I wonder just how improved the ratings for this SEC tournament will be with a good Tennessee team. I think it's going to yeah. be a huge difference because we know how Tennessee fans lock in and watch. I mean, they are, I don't know, it, it, it should be a big boost to their ratings. It's just the Tennessee effect is proven. I mean, we know that it's a thing and that I'm surprised that they haven't utilized it more and put more of these games on normal television. I still, it's so easy to stream. A lot of people stream primarily. That's all they use. And fans still seem to complain about not being able to find the games. So I I wish they would make them a little more accessible for some of those fans. I have to imagine if the final ends up being Tennessee and and Arkansas, although I believe Arkansas has some jockeying to do. They're they're tied in the SEC right now with Texas A&M. Texas A&M has closed out this season really strong. uh, And they're kind of an interesting rogue element in all of that that we weren't expecting. Uh, near the beginning of the SEC season. Um, but, you know, if, if that ends up being the final and there's all that history there and the, you know, the jawing back and forth that went on between Vitello and Van Horn last year. And, I mean, that 
that will genuinely be for a for a true SEC sports fan of whoever, whatever school, you're gonna look at that and be intrigued. I if as long as you care about baseball at all, you're gonna look at that and be like, Oh, you got these Tennessee boys with all this swagger going up against these guys that they have history with, you know. I it's that's compelling television. And I'm I'm sure ESPN loves that. I'm sure they're they're probably hoping that Tennessee. It's interesting to be in that position. They're probably hoping that Tennessee doesn't lose because <laughs> that that will hurt their ratings. Make make no mm-hmm. mistake about that. For sure. Um, yeah, you know that that's we we always say that uh, in in sports. I was definitely saying it in this Grizzlies series with uh, Golden State, a, a longtime Grizzlies guy. Uh, it, it certainly felt like at times the refs were kind of going like, we need Steph in the Western Conference Finals. Let's, well, Especially you know. after John ja Morant was hurt. I mean, what a blow yeah. to the NBA playoffs in general and just NBA fans. I mean, I'm a guy that I'm, – I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. I, I go to games and, and watch them play as often as I can. But when it comes to the NBA playoffs, they haven't been relevant in – rarely ever to be honest <laughs> so uh, i'm a guy who just i just want to see the stars like i lean towards the grizzlies because they're in tennessee i love john morant uh but i, I you know i want to see big stars i i'm glad luca has kind of went on this tear it's gonna be fun to watch him in the western conference finals so but it is it's know. so much more compelling it's interesting not to get too deep on the on the nba but i, I think it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting just like sort of character study in terms of sports where you go like what when when LeBron was younger, it was the most interesting thing to see the greatest athlete of our generation go into the finals. That has gotten boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are kind of tired. We're we're LeBron'd out, and I think a lot of people were pretty happy to see them not make the playoffs and kind of go like, all right, we don't have to. We got a lot of new up and coming stars, a lot of guys, Luca and Ja, and all these guys. They're really making noise, and let's give them a shot on this big stage. And I think it's incredible television, especially with the Mavs being—they you know, beat oh, the Suns, the Suns. Like forty, <laughs> most embarrassing Game Seven performance of all time. It didn't uh, help with uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul's actions throughout the series. Just yeah, Chris Paul might say- be the sorest loser of. All time in basketball field, maybe him and Isaiah Thomas. Like that's what it feels like to me. I mean, and I, I like Chris Paul. We're from the same town. We're literally yeah, born in the same hospital, yeah. like a day apart. I mean, really, I, I like Chris. Yes, I like Chris Paul, but I mean, he he's he's been that way since college. He he definitely has been. Um, I mean, I as much as the Grizzlies played the the Timberwolves in the first round, and Pat Beverly was so annoying. And that whole series, he was jawing the entire time and doing the the too small thing mm-hmm. to Ja Morant. But he goes, and obviously it was great. It was very gratifying to beat the Timberwolves in that first series. But uh, he goes on ESPN the morning after the Suns get waxed, and he called, what did he call Chris Paul? A uh, traffic cone <laughs> or something? <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious and then mm-hmm. bring this guy back on have him yeah. talk more because he just went on you know he's no bs um and and i i appreciate it but it's point point being it's it's interesting to see new blood to see like tennessee is bringing that fresh swagger to college baseball that college baseball needed i mean you you see third parties uh i think it was the the cws 24 7 guy college world series 24 7 um, dude on on Twitter 
wrote an entire thing on his website about how Tennessee baseball is what college baseball needed. It's like an injection of energy. You need something fresh and something new that's going to actually intrigue people. And that's, yeah, yeah I'm sure uh, ESPN's got to be happy about that because it's sort of a, a sport that's a crapshoot for them because it's right on the edge of being viable as a television product, but not totally. Uh, it doesn't bring a, a big enough crowd for that. So, hey, happy to be that team for ESPN if they need it. We'll we'll bring the viewers. Don't worry, yeah, ESPN. Be, we'll we'll carry you. It'll be interesting to see if they change their strategy on on baseball, SEC baseball next season after kind of seeing the interest in Tennessee this year. Yeah. I, I think it's it's got to be something that they're taking notice of, if if nothing. Because I get it; it's too it's too late. You make these plans, these these programming plans. You can't just switch it on a dime, even though it feels like you can. I mean, that stuff's playing months and months in advance. So I, I get for this season how how it's kind of had to work out the way it, it has, but hopefully next year we get more of these uh, Tennessee primetime weekend baseball in the spring. Yeah, you you might do a little bit more of like putting putting SEC games on like ESPN two and some stuff. I mean, what else are you showing in February and March and early April? They only show a couple of MLB games a week. It doesn't really run. It doesn't interfere with that at all. Isn't Uh, this uh, when, when we were kids, I don't think they show this anymore, but this was, uh, this was like world's strongest man season for ESPN. mm -hmm. They always Magnus for Magnuson and (laughs) all the the world's strongest guys. I remember many, many summer mornings watching ESPN two watching sports center till it would go off at 11 AM or something. And then, yeah, that, that afternoon programming comes on, but give me, give me a midday college baseball game on a, on a Wednesday at like, three o'clock oh. i mean that's it's perfect i watched that guy out of that Ho- hopefully hopefully it's, it changes their strategy a little bit obviously we'll we'll have to see but that's that's the the tennessee baseball talk as as we have in most weeks they're they're interesting enough for us to go long about them like we talked longer than i probably was planning i don't mind Tennessee baseball is awesome this season. It's worth the discussion. But let's also dive into some other good things happening for Tennessee. I think for the most part, we got good stuff um, for for this week. Julian Phillips, 6'8", small forward from Branson, Missouri, a bona fide, unanimous five-star on the recruiting services. He chooses Rick Barnes and the Tennessee Volunteers as his uh, as his college of choice and this was for a lot of people on un- un- including me pretty unexpected i had kind of resigned as tennessee basketball season you're probably going to take a step back from the sec championship year and you know you're obviously you're losing kennedy chandler uh you lost brandon huntley hatfield and you kind of look now and you go like you got to kind of wonder is this why they let huntley hatfield walk um because julian phillips um, is this a similar size physically? He plays a different style from Huntley Hatfield. Um, but uh, you you kind of wonder some things like that where hindsight becomes a little clearer. Um, but this is a huge pickup for a kid that could potentially be a starter because the position that he plays is sort of in flux for Tennessee right now. That forward position, you're not really sure if it's going to be Kamwa. You thought it was going to be Huntley Hatfield kind of battling with Kama, and Huntley Hatfield's gone. So it's it's an interesting piece. Uh, and a, 
massive pickup and, and just a continued recruiting success for Rick Barnes. It's it, he just continues to impress. Just when you when you think he's finally going back down the other side of the hill, he he picks up uh, a Julian Phillips. Yeah, it was very unexpected to me. I mean, it felt like it was tr- trending towards Auburn. There was rumors that maybe he's going to go to the NBA G League. I don't know if you saw the report from On Three where. Uh, they say that he turned down eight an eight hundred thousand dollar contract with the NBA G League program, which mm. that was the end of the report. And on three did not speculate on any sort of NIL deal that he may or may not have received from a, a collective associated with Tennessee. But I think we can all make a fair assumption that a, a, the NIL situation kind of helped Tennessee out there a bit. And if that's the case, then. Good for Tennessee. I mean, go get your guy. Auburn was obviously in that same stratosphere, and Tennessee went a little further than they did. Or maybe he just liked – maybe the deals were similar and he liked Tennessee better. Or maybe he said no to $800,000 and signed for free. You know, that's uh, maybe (laughs) – Maybe. Not not quite as plausible, but we can't rule it out. Either way, Tennessee got their guy, and he's very exciting – kid that if he develops into a shooter i mean man uh, plays great defense i mean it's a huge great all-around pickup for for tennessee and he's actually he's originally from the central part of south carolina not far from where john morant is from so maybe that that area is uh pretty fertile recruiting grounds yeah i whatever you got to do to get these kids in the door i'm i'm obviously fine with it within you know within reason um $800,000 is a lot to turn down from a, a G League team. Yeah. It's, so it's, I'm not sure how does how does that affect I don't I don't know. I think that's just recently become a thing where you could go to the G League. I know LaMelo Ball like went overseas to play for a year instead of pl- uh, playing in college. So I'm not sure how that affects your draft status or where you can land yeah. or w- w- what kind of pool are you thrown into then? I that that's what I wondered with that is where does it put you if you get taken with a G League team and in terms of the future draft and where like a team might want to pick you up I, the the whole thing it's it's new like you're saying mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because it there definitely could be a factor of the G Leagues that they're they're selling of the product to these players just might not be that strong. I think you might have guys that go like, Hey, you're going to get a little more exposure at the college level. Also, you're going to have a chance to, you know, go win a championship. Uh, and, and I, I think Rick, Rick Barnes has a good reputation. I think clearly he has a good reputation, um, among in these circles with kids, you wouldn't be getting these recruits if he didn't. And so I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that, uh, Grant Williams stellar play here in the NBA yeah. final or NBA playoffs where he's kind of developed into such a key player for the Celtics and he's kind of like the guarding the other team's best player at times mm-hmm. at this point and he's really got a lot of attention over the last couple of months so I think I mean that's got to help Britt Barnes as well yeah that it, it's kind of those what we were talking about doesn't show up in a win-loss column sort of things where Grant Grant Williams going out giving Giannis a really really hard time in a great series that that was uh, a, a great watch if you didn't watch it and then he has his career game in Game Seven Grant Williams mm-hmm. does um, I mean that honestly that stuff helps in recruiting I mean, you can't because specifically because Grant is a big ambassador for the University of Tennessee thankfully 
you know, he's he's not a guy who went to Tennessee. He's like a like a Tobias Harris. He doesn't come around that much anymore and doesn't you don't associate him with Tennessee. Grant Williams still gets associated a lot with Tennessee. Obviously a younger guy than Tobias Harris at this point and and more recently played at Tennessee, but still like like Grant is still out here like tweeting about Tennessee basketball games when they when they happen and is and is a real Tennessee guy. And that's it's important. That stuff is is genuinely important. Like not just getting guys to the league, but having guys that have success in the league is is huge. A lot of NBA talk. But speaking of Tobias Harris, did you see Jimmy Butler's kind of the shade that he threw towards Tobias Harris after uh, one of the games this past? I don't week? think so. He said somebody. He's walking in the locker room, and I guess shouted towards maybe fans. Somebody caught it where he was like Tobias Harris over me, where he was drafted after. Tobias Harris uh, several years back. So kind of interesting little shaded former Tennessee player. Or not really. I mean, it is shaded the former Tennessee player, but I think it's more shaded the, the teams that passed over Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I mean, J- Jimmy Butler was definitely under the radar. The is what it is. Obviously, hindsight 2020 on him. But um, nonetheless, great pickup for Rick Barnes. And uh, you also, you got, uh, I, I don't want to mess this name up, but Toby Awaka, I believe is how this is uh, pronounced. He was another, another forward, um, not ranked by the rating systems so far. At least I could see, let me see his, his profile here. Yeah. Um, two, four, seven and the composite don't have a, a rating for him, but he's, he's out of the Bronx, New York. He played on the AAU team. That's a guy Ziegler comes from in New York. So that's nice to kind of tap that pipeline. Cause obviously Zakai has been a revelation and an incredible pickup for Barnes and the boys. So, uh, I, I love this cause I, I don't want to say I was really down on this basketball season, but it felt like you may have reached the the pinnacle of the Rick Barnes getting five-star recruits and that whole thing that was sort of a surprise all in itself that he started doing that because initially with Barnes, recruiting was a little shaky, and then all of a sudden it was elite. And then you kind of felt like, all right, Kennedy Chandler, we hadn't gotten another five-star, and you're not sure if you, you know, it's so hard to get a five-star in general. There's so few of them, uh, and they all get sucked up by Kentucky and Kansas and all these schools. And, uh, and it just, it keeps that, that momentum going and I'm, I'm impressed and congratulations to everybody involved. And hopefully, uh, Phillips becomes a a powerful player for Tennessee. That, that would be nice. We, we need more of them, uh, given the circumstances, although most of the team from last year is returning, uh, just to add a piece like this is, is big. It's good. Yeah. I think picking up a, a walker there, it, it, after, after Barnes and his staff identified Zakai Ziegler, a very under-the-radar guy, brought him in, and, and the huge role that he played last year, a really huge reason for their success. He was really the, the heart of that team, and, and to have him coming back. The fact that they identified him, brought him in, kind of gives you, like, hey, did they find another hidden gem, that, you know, maybe yeah. maybe a, a, a power forward here that can really do some things inside, something Tennessee could use that – you know, that, that's an interest. He's Gatorade Player of the Year, Maryland, St. John's, some other schools kind of recognized him late too. So maybe a late bloomer, maybe a bit of a hidden gem here. It, and it would be nice to finally have a hidden gem at the, at a size position. 
because mm-hmm. it's that's been, I would say, the biggest struggle of the Rick Barnes era is finding a great big man. Because when you found him in Grant Williams, you were the number one team in America and had one of the best uh, regular seasons Tennessee has ever had. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. We all watch it happen. And so and it's been and it's been a struggle to find anything else down low for Rick Barnes since Grant Williams. And so if they could find a little little needle in a haystack, that would be excellent and a welcome, welcome addition. And I I mean I will say I I saw that name and you know the the initial reporting was he's he's not rated by the rating services. And uh, you know, you're kind of skeptical initially, and then you look at it and he goes, He comes from the same pipeline as the Kai Ziegler, and you go, All right, okay. <laughs> I like the I like the sound of that. That's good. Um, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, that with with a waka, it's going to be a, uh, a a time will tell sort of pickup. But to if you could have another surprise ad that uh, that can really immediately uh, contribute, that would be excellent. I'm I'm all for it, and hopefully, it just gives me a little more hope for this basketball season too. Because I was kind of like, oh man, going to be coming down the other side of the hill. Uh, obviously, assuming. Uh, that Josiah Jordan James comes back and and you get uh, you know some of those dudes back in in the fold. It it, it I, I don't know. It, it was hard for me to think that it would be as good as last year. I, I would put it that way. But maybe maybe they can do it now. You've added some really nice pieces, so we'll we'll just have to see. Uh, I'm pretty pretty sure that Josiah Jordan James and, and Viscovi will return. Neither one were invited yeah. to the NBA draft combine, which really surprised me i thought they would at least be invited but i'm not sure how many invites usually go out for that kind of stuff but but once you're not invited to that i think it pretty much seals your fate as to you're not really going to get the feedback that you're looking for or at least not to the extent that you're looking for so i think for sure they'll be back if james can lock in absolutely consistently as a shooter this upcoming season i think he's a He's an excellent NBA uh, prospect. Vescovi, uh, I mean, it's exciting if he if he can really be a shooter. I could see him as kind of a backup point guard on on a team, but yeah. that's that might be his his height. And you know, watch me eat those words, and he becomes a star. I don't know, but uh, that would be awesome. But I just you just look at his. his He's got to take care of the ball set. a little better. I feel like to be an NBA exactly. level player. It, the the NBA is such a different oh, animal. Yeah. The the speed of play, and just how you have to be uh, at at that at that extra level. It, it just is. I, I think I've said it on this this show before. It's it's one of those things that it's it's like porn. You, you can't describe it, but you know it when you see it. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like that's that's a pro that's a pro skill set right there. And and I think Josiah Jordan James, like I said, if if he he's an absolutely elite defender, he's an mm-hmm. NBA defender already. I think he, yeah. he could hang at an NBA level. Uh, and there's a place for that always. There is absolutely. I I mean, look look at how effective in the final two games of the Grizzlies series with with Golden State, good defense was. They really clamped down without John Morant. Really clamped down defensively and and gave obviously one. Uh, one of those games, and and really gave Golden State a, a hard time, and so I, you know, Eve Eve Pons has has found a spot. He's actually in the Grizzlies farm system, um, and and that can be valuable when yeah, the the shooting is not totally there, but you can be a lead on defense. It's valuable, 
and and you can find a spot that way. So I uh, we'll we'll have to see how that turns out. But I think let's take advantage of them while assuming they still come back. It hasn't been officially announced, obviously, but let's definitely take advantage of these guys because clearly, I mean, they're they're right there. They're right near that NBA level, if nothing else. And that's going to make you one of the best players in college basketball. And so you have a couple of those guys, plus these five-star recruits, plus uh, other really nice uh, role players. And and so keep keep it going. Let's let's keep it going and just can, and maybe someday finally shed this this uh, Barnes can't do it in the NCAA tournament. Maybe maybe one day we'll we we got the SEC tournament off our back. We got that one done. <laughs> but it's the, just, the NCAA one, tournament's still there. It, it's one thing at a time. He he's exactly done done better with five stars. Check yeah. that off the list. SEC tournament. So maybe next year we can watch him. You know, progress to uh, the Elite Eight or Final Four. We've we've never said this as Tennessee fans. Next year is our year. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Never fails. No matter what uh, I, what kind of content I post on social media, that is optimistic about Tennessee just other fan bases come out of the woodwork to comment that same thing oh yeah all Tennessee fans next year just just wait till next year well next year's finally started showing up in some of these sports so yeah some of them you you're finally having the next year that's it's actually happening uh you do have you got a few more things to to clamp down it just I mean, some of these, it's just so hard. Like, to win the NCAA tournament. Like, Bill Self is a legend. He's an absolute legend. And he went in between his national titles. How I mean, how long was it? Tw- like, 12 years or something? It's hard to win a mm-hmm. national championship. And he had excellent teams through that that period. I mean, some of the you had years with, like, Joel Embiid and, like, just some real star power on those Kansas teams. And he didn't win. And then finally this year where it was kind of unassuming they, they weren't the preseason favorite and they win a national championship. So it's a weird sport, kind of like baseball too. It's a weird sport. It's going to be, it's yeah. going to be tough to win. Uh, even as good as Tennessee has been in the, in the regular season. So good, good talk there. Plenty of positivity, feeling good. And, uh, and we'll end the show uh, with this in the, in the final portion of the episode last week. We talked about Tennessee and these new NIL rules that the NCAA has has ruled out. Well, they're not they're not rules. It, NIL guidelines. That's they 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 had to frame it correctly, and it's the NCAA going out and trying to get a hold at all on their remaining relevancy, which they essentially have none. There's growing and growing talk about breaking away from the NCAA, uh, which thank God, please praise please, praise the Lord that we're actually having serious talks about breaking away from the NCAA. Finally, it's been a long time coming, but uh, these new rules and whether the NCAA is going to come for Tennessee, because what they're trying to do is make NILs into boosters and boosters cannot have contact with players before they're at the school. Um, And so if you make a, or I'm sorry, these, uh, these collectives, not NILs, these collectives, you make collectives into boosters and boosters can't have contact with players before they get to the school. And so is Tennessee breaking the rules by having the collectives that they have, have contact with recruits. Essentially, we kind of chalked it up to that's nonsense. 
good luck with that NCAA. You're just, you know, they're, they're just grasping at straws finally. And they're in the death throes of the final stages of the NCAA. Um, but I posted, we talked about in that clip that the pushback on the NIL wild West, that Tennessee is obviously taking part in, uh, some of the biggest purveyors of pushback were Nick Saban and Kirby smart and the, the Georgia and Alabama, uh, programs. And I posted a video and admittedly, a little bit of clickbait, you know. Hey, we we play this we play this game. I'm I'm here I'm here for eyeballs. Okay, I do. This is how we make money. Look, you 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 make money at your job. This is what we make money from getting getting eyeballs on the stuff. Okay, it is what it is. Um, and I posted on YouTube a clip of us talking about that, and I titled it. What was the exact title? Tennessee's nil recruiting is scaring Nick Saban. Uh, and I put a picture of Nick Saban, like yelling and Josh Heupel and there's a whole thing. Alabama fans found it <laughs> and they had some thoughts uh, about what we said. And, and we said, I, I think saying that Saban is scared is probably an overstatement. I don't know. He's scared. That's probably not the correct framing, but it pisses him off. I can tell you that. He's, and if you're him, you're, you're not happy about it. The, the landscape is changing under his feet and he's having to adapt yet again. And he's been so good at that in his career. Um, but just, uh, and I think he, he wants to hold on to what has made him so successful. Um, and I, I think you, you agree, Zach, we were pretty much in agreement on that. Uh, but we just wanted to go through and read these comments uh, and there were a bunch of Alabama fans and here. I just want to get your thoughts initially, Zach. I'll give mine too. Here, here's uh, a couple of these and you can go to A to Z sports, um, on YouTube and see these comments for yourself. This guy says Tennessee offers a kid 8 million because they have to, to be able to get the kid Bama, Georgia, Ohio state don't have to. You hear that. I know my immediate thoughts on it. What it, when you hear that, Zach, what is your thought? Well, I mean, maybe Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia haven't offered $8 million to a kid. I mean, it's it's inflation right now, right? Recruits cost more than they used to. But, but Alabama and Georgia have definitely paid for recruits. I mean, we look in the world of recruiting, there is it's a dark, dark world at times. And there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on that never, ever, ever sees the light of day. And a lot of these four and five star recruits, I mean, the, somebody that's like top five player in the country, programs are having to pay just to get in the room with these kids initially. I mean, that is something that that happens and we know happens. I know firsthand it happens. So the idea that, that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and any top program has ever been completely clean is just absolutely insane. I mean, it doesn't matter what who you're or what level you're at. Alabama is going to be recruiting against somebody. They're not going to be recruiting much against Vanderbilt or Kentucky or Kansas or any of these kind of lower bottom of the conference teams, but they will be recruiting against Georgia, Ohio State, USC, uh, Notre Dame, a lot of major programs, Texas. And it's the same it's the same battle. It's just different opponents that you're going against. So, yeah, of course they have to, to to work in some financial incentive. I mean, those kids, 
they they have the leverage. <laughs> Everybody wants them. They're going to parlay that into a payday. Why wouldn't you? So no, Tennessee's not doing anything any different than than anybody else is doing. There was a time in the early 2010s when Kentucky basketball with Cal Perry was getting every five star that hit the market. I mean, just all of them. And they had these these transcendent teams that were so good. Ultimately, they only got one national championship out of it, which is hilarious, frankly. But um, I remember specifically. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to attribute, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Matt Jones at Kentucky Sports Radio. We had him on the show I was on, and his take was that Kentucky didn't have to pay players like everybody else because they're just so good. It's Kentucky. We're so good. You can put, come here and play in the Final Four, and all the five stars could be here with you. Where We don't have to pay the player. And, and again, I think it was Matt Jones. I don't know. Don't, don't go in like... It sounds pretty. Yeah. It sounds just like something he'd say, so I can buy it. But it, yeah, it was it was somebody like that, and I, I go, are you, are you delusional? Like, do you have a realistic thought in your head? Because if this kid, I did I mention this last week in the last couple of weeks, I think. So I apologize if I'm sort of repeating myself here, but like Louisville gets outed with Rick Pitino that they paid a kid two hundred thousand dollars. And if that kid went to Louisville for $200,000, how much do you think Kentucky is paying these kids? They can get $200,000 Louisville, and they're choosing Kentucky over Louisville. So how much is that kid getting? Because he could go to Louisville and get $200,000. They don't have to pay anybody? What? Are you de- you got to be kidding me. you got to be absolutely kidding me. Because here's, here's what I know when it comes to Alabama and, and recruiting, and we don't have to pay $8 million for our recruits. Here's, here's what I know. Texas A&M was the number one recruiting class in America last year. The report came out that they put together some big deals for these kids. And and Jimbo Fisher has kind of denied it and walked around it and whatever. Let's be, we know what's going on here. They got that oil money at Texas A&M, you know. Uh, the, all those engineers and everybody that comes out of there, they're willing to pay. And like half of the last few governors of the state of Texas went there and stuff. Like they got big donors and alumni. Here's what I know. Uh, Evan Stewart, five-star receiver, didn't go to Alabama. He went to Texas A&M, and Texas A&M reportedly paid. Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy didn't go to Alabama. He went to Texas A&M. Connor Wegman went to Texas A&M, didn't go to Alabama. And here's the thing. Alabama probably wanted a few of those guys. And yet, they went to Texas A&M, who has not won. And they, they did beat Alabama last year. Incredibly, that was a weird apparition of a game. But uh, what... So... If those kids are going to Texas A&M and Alabama's still getting these five-star recruits and being competitive in this market, I can tell you this, Alabama is paying these kids. Yeah, it might not be a million bucks. Tennessee's price tag might be a skosh higher. Sure, that's fine. But if you think that these kids are just going to Alabama for the A on the jersey and we don't we don't have to do that. We're Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. We can get all these recruits. What, what world are you living in where you think that you don't have to play the game that everybody else is playing. You're not above this. This is everybody is playing in the snake pit. Everybody's a viper. Everybody that's actually competitive. That's that's what I, you know, I always say it. College football is a snake pit. And if you're not a viper, you're going to get eaten. I mean, it just That's what it is. You, you have to be that guy. Hugh Freeze can go out here and act like he is the reverend of a megachurch. But at the end of the day, he was cheating and paying recruits. <laughs> yeah, and that's it doesn't the, and matter. That's, 
That's the perfect example uh, for for Texas A&M and for these other programs. Texas A&M comes out of nowhere. They have the the number one class. Yeah, and and we know that they're paying. In 2013, I think, Ole Miss came out of nowhere, had like a top five, top ten class or something, and there was everybody instantly is like, they have to be cheating. Like, where did Ole Miss just out of nowhere – they hadn't really started having – I don't know if that was Hugh Freeze's first year or how long he had been there at that point. But they hadn't really – I don't think they'd beat Alabama yet. They hadn't got to the point where they were giving Alabama a tough time on a regular basis. All of a sudden, they come out of nowhere and they got like one of the best classes in the country. And then several years later, we find out, oh, yeah, Hugh Freeze and, and Ole Miss was doing some shady stuff. Every single time a class comes out of nowhere, it's because money's involved. So – yeah, of course, we know Tennessee is using NIL stuff to their advantage. But the question is, who really cares when it's been going on for so long that this is how you build good recruiting classes? They're, they're, I mean, that is the foundation of, of how you do it, how these other programs have done it. Who cares? I mean, Tennessee's doing what they have to do. I mean, they're doing what every other program's doing. They're just doing it a little bit better right now. Tennessee is on the the bleeding edge of this whole thing. I think rightfully so it pisses those guys off because you, yeah, arguably Tennessee has got to dance them on the line. They are, <laughs> you know, there's, I don't think there's any denying that. And, uh, and other and, schools, and Alabama and Georgia would not be, if Tennessee was not doing this right now with the NIL stuff, where it's really been so public, Nick Saban and Kirby smart wouldn't be vocal about no. the NIL stuff. No coach would, because why would it matter? Because if, if, if Tennessee's not using it to their advantage, then it, it's not this huge story that it's been over the last couple of months because they are the program that's kind of been kind of the face of this these NIL deals. So it, for these Alabama fans to say, oh, Nick Saban doesn't care about Tennessee or, or Georgia fans to say Kirby Smart couldn't care less what's going on in, in Tennessee and recruiting, then why are they talking about it? Why yeah. why are they why is it even coming up? Because why? Tennessee's the the main program utilizing this stuff. And then you know, USC, Miami, those those programs don't really impact Alabama and Georgia as much. Looking through some of these other comments. Uh Alabama and Nick Saban aren't afraid of Tennessee lol. That's such a hot take. Uh and to me. That's not not necessarily a rebuttal. But you go, well, you're watching a video about how Saban is scared. You're looking for this stuff. You want to listen to it. You care. They and they're they're kind of like it, it's one of those situations where they have to denigrate. There there were some comments. Let me let me look back. Uh they said, imagine paying $8 million and not even getting the best QB in the class. Well, Tennessee didn't even try for Arch Manning. Why? So, because they would have wasted the entire summer exactly. on that situation. And Arch Manning is not going to be swayed by a massive NIL deal. Now, I'm sure he'll get paid some money. Uh, well, oh, he'd yeah. be foolish not to to utilize his uh, what he's built for himself and, and what kind of his, his name provides. But I don't know that Josh Heupel's system was what he wants. He's more traditional background. So Tennessee was very smart to not get involved there. This person said, enjoy Nico for one year. He'll be there before he enters the transfer portal and dips to the school that Manning didn't go to. 
nobody fears Tennessee and nobody will. These he's called us bozos, but that's a funny dude. Oh. That's a funny. I will say that's a funny word. I I like bozos. If you're gonna call us, you know, the, there's a lot of idiot moron out mm-hmm. there. Those are the more boilerplate words. I like bozo. That's kind of out of left field. And he says these two bozos are just overly excited for Tennessee. Um, maybe. But here's what I do know. Again, you're watching the video, <laughs> and you commented. And you feel compelled enough to say, no, we're not scared. We're, we're not, nobody's scared of Tennessee. Why? How am I supposed to believe that? And yet you're here. Um, it, it's uh, me thinks you doth protest too much. You know what I mean? The you're, oh, we're not, we're not scared. We're de- We're not concerned about this. We're not concerned that Tennessee got the number what I guess the number two quarterback in this class. I don't know. We're not concerned about that. <laughs> and he didn't do anything last year and still got this kid. You, you, you should be concerned. You should be concerned about that. <laughs> you like, this is, it's okay. It's okay that you can go like, Oh, Tennessee might have a little momentum. I'm not saying Tennessee is going to turn around and win a national championship next year. I think we all know that they're not. And I'm not saying they're even going to win it the next year. It's going to take a while to build this thing up, but you should be concerned long-term that Tennessee is finally getting five-star recruits again. Yeah. Why would you not be? It's foolish. Uh, yeah, I sent, I sent it to you last uh, week at some point where a what the Georgia website dog post, I believe, where the, the guy that works for them made an entire YouTube video based on this Nick Saban uh, Kirby Smart being afraid of Tennessee. Name, you know, named us, named A to Z Sports, and kind of laughed and rolled his eyes a little bit, and uh, made some some interesting suggestions. Somebody had sent that video to me, but yeah, it's it's obviously it's reached it's reached them as well, and they felt strongly enough about it that they had to make a rebuttal, uh, where they kind of suggest that like what, what the NCAA is not going to pay listen to Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Like, yeah, yes. Yes, they are, especially Nick Saban. If you think they're not listening to what the highest profile coach in college sports says or thinks about a situation, you're absolutely crazy. Like, where are you yeah. living? Of course they are. I mean, I, I, I'll i make a, a concession, and I'll do it for Georgia. It's like Georgia a couple of years ago in basketball. They get Anthony Edwards to commit to Georgia, and it's – I still don't know how they did that. Tom Crean, however that pickup. I mean, he was he was one of the top recruits in America. And yeah, Georgia had been in the absolute dumpster up to that point. But you look and you go like, whoa, that's big. That's a yeah. really big recruit for Georgia. And he's turned out, it turns out Tom Crean just might be a really bad coach. And <laughs> and like, you know, uh, he sort of wasted those uh, those talents. But I didn't look at that and go like, this isn't concerning to me. I went, whoa, that's a really, really good player. Yeah, he's going to a garbage dump team. I'm interested to see what what Crean can do. And I would say ten- Tennessee last year was not as bad as Georgia basketball has been in the last few years. But um, which to me, this should be even more concerning than uh, Tennessee picking up a good quarterback. And especially with Josh Heupel's offense that gave Alabama and Georgia both fits. Um, 
you know, I, I will, I'll say I didn't just brush it off and go like, no, that's, that's a nothing. I don't care. <laughs> no, I cared. Like that's yeah. You stunk, but you're picking up one of the best players in America. That is, and you're right down the road and you're right here. And we recruit against you. Anthony Edwards should have come to Tennessee in my opinion, but he didn't. He went to Georgia. That is concerning to me. And I, well, it's like, just like, uh, uh, South Carolina right now is Spencer Rattler. I mean, you hope as a Tennessee fan that the guy is overrated. I mean, he didn't really show at Oklahoma that he was going to really live up to the hype. But you also know the hype's there for a reason. And, hey, I think every Tennessee fan saw Spencer Rattler go to South Carolina and thinking, like, I hope I hope he doesn't turn out to be like the next Joe Burrow that comes out from transfers and just burst onto the scene. And all of a sudden, South Carolina – is the, like one of the teams to beat in the SEC East. They're a lot more difficult to beat. I mean, we've seen that all it takes is a dynamic, game-changing quarterback to change the entire season for a program. And I think that's why you've seen so many Tennessee fans kind of downplaying his addition to South Carolina because it's kind of like, well, we're not going to talk it into existence type approach. So, yeah, of course, I mean, I feel, I'm sure South Carolina fans will disagree, but and it's not the same gap, but Tennessee views South Carolina probably a little like Alabama and Georgia view Tennessee. So I think it's a fair thing to be concerned. Like, hey, Nico shows up and he's the next Cam Newton type player. Tennessee could be in for a year where, hey, they finally beat us or something like that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a thought that you would be foolish to not have. I, I agree on the Rattler thing. I We do have a little more certifiable evidence that he's not that guy, at least in Lincoln Riley's offense. I mean, he was sporadic. Which is kind of what South Carolina's is going to be. Yeah, that's true. Beamer. But you just sporadic reports that he's not a great teammate. That he's kind of a, you know, an, an arrogant, um, sort of all for me kind of guy. And you know, there's things like that. But of course, like you're saying, it could flip on a dime, and he could end up being that dude. And yeah, I I think Tennessee fans you- are aware that he's there. Yes, I, I would be lying if I said those thoughts did not go through my head. And sure, I am I am 1A when it comes to people who made fun of the Rattler edition. Uh, I, I will say, and sure, I'll have to eat those words. Um, but I will also readily admit in this conversation, I'm not going to go out and be like, no, I, the thought has not crossed my mind that he could be good. Like, it has. <laughs> He was a five-star player coming out of college and he was good enough to make Lincoln Riley want to bring him to Oklahoma. And so like, yeah, I, I could see it. I don't have a ton of faith in Shane Beamer necessarily, but like, <laughs> it's still like, I, I'm still trying to decide how much faith I have in Josh Heupel. I mean, he's just, it's first year, first year. Well, I guess Beamer's a fir- true first year coach. Heupel has a little more experience under his belt, but like, so first year at the program that they're at sort of coaches, you just were feeling it out. And I, uh, I just thought that this whole thing was funny. That was the bulk of the comments. They're all kind of like that. We're like, we're not scared. We're not, we're definitely not concerned. These are, these guys are bozos. It was a lot of that. Um, and that, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. That you're concerned. Like I said, scared is probably an overstatement. Yeah, you're probably not scared, but you should look around and be like, if we don't get Arch Manning, you know, it would have been nice to be able to get that kid. And one of those are, programs is not. Yeah, one of them's not getting Arch Manning. You can't go both places. So one of you is going to be wanting a quarterback here in a minute. 
Both of and them so might be. He, he, could, he, could, he could end up in Texas. Yeah, well, that's true. They both might be one. That's true because Texas is kind of. I think that's. Emerged. I think that's. I think that's where his heart is. Not to get too far into Arch Manning recruitment, but I think his heart is at Texas and with Sarkeesian. But he needs to see them take a step forward in this season before he signs up for that. If Texas puts it together and they actually get him, and like Sark improves a little bit, I honestly for his for, sort of for his legacy. I think that's the right choice. I obviously say, you know, full disclosure is it's a bias of me being like, please, dear God, don't go to Alabama. But I, I really do say I could see it from his point of view being like, I'm just going to get out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not going to go tie myself to Alabama, not going to go tie myself to Georgia. I'll go step out to this sort of third party over here. And he's from Louisiana and Louisiana, Louisiana and Texas are they're they got cultural crossover because they share mm-hmm. a border and there a lot of a lot of recruits go to Texas A&M out of right. Louisiana, a lot of Texas recruits go to LSU. And so t- to me that choice would make sense as much as I kind of go like Texas is a joke of a program at the moment um who who almost fired their coach after one season <laughs> this offseason. Um yeah, I mean I I could see that it makes sense to me that obviously, and you know that they can put up the money. You know Texas can put up that oh, yeah. kind of money that Arch Arch will probably be looking for. And so, yeah, I that that choice would make sense. And man, what a relief to everybody else in the SEC that would be to be like, okay, if we see him, it's going to be in 2025 when he's like a junior, you know, and maybe just for one year we'll have to deal with the guy. But um, I mean, I I don't I I find it hard to believe that. Alabama and Georgia, and I know LSU didn't because they're pursuing others. They weren't really – I mean, they were pursuing Arch Manning because they're supposed to. He's from Louisiana, but the Mannings and LSU, they kind of spurned them a few times. <clears throat> but Alabama and Georgia, I refuse to believe that both of those coaches were show, so short-sighted that they put all of their eggs in the Arch Manning basket and refused to recruit Nico. Like, I, I don't – I just don't – feel like that's the case because they each know that one of them is going to miss out and they have to if they're if they're smart if they're making contingency plans they have to know that he i was looking to see who is remaining malachi nelson is already committed to to sc um he's the other sort of elite quarterback in there um where so oh dante moore I forgot that's about a, him. In, that's in, a that's in an LSU that's an LSU Notre Dame battle right there, pretty much. Brian Kelly was hard on him at Notre Dame, and yeah. that's that's really that's really the LSU's guy. I mean, they've mm-hmm. obviously done the work on Arch Manning, but that's like their Nico, who they're really focusing on. So I don't the, think the uh, the only other five star is Jaden Rashada uh, and Alabama looks like Alabama is not in his top set of schools. Ole Miss, LSU, Miami, Cal, and Oregon, uh, Texas A&M. So, I really think we're going to see Alabama, and and Lane Kiffin is already doing it, starting to do it, kind of, and Georgia maybe. Georgia, it's hard to see them really starting to land elite quarterbacks because of the way their offense runs. It's very run-heavy, just one reason that, 
I feel like Arch probably has a good relationship with Kirby Smart because Kirby comes from that same era as Eli and Peyton and Cooper. They kind of, you know, Peyton played against teams, kind of friend, the family type deal. But I think you're going to see Alabama Ole Miss, a lot of these programs, just really start to hammer the transfer portal and get these guys yeah. to to come. You know, they go to Missouri and have an unexpected great year or something like that, and then Alabama's going to scoop them up. That is the the outlier to this whole thing that it it makes it makes the playing feel more even but i think you're still going to have the same phenomenon as just regular recruiting before where the rich just get richer it it yeah. is just going to be and and hopefully tennessee can get into that rich category and be one of the folks that gets richer cuz obviously tennessee has resources I think that that is something that is no matter what these Alabama fans say or whatever happens, you simply cannot deny that Tennessee has the resources. Do we have to pay a million dollars to get a quarterback to come to Tennessee? Supposedly, theoretically, allegedly, yes. But the thing is, Tennessee got a million dollars to give out. That's the thing that you can't deny. And there's a whole bunch of schools that don't have that power. And so you have to deal with that. And we're right on your doorstep and we're coming for your, for your guys. We're coming to go get the guys that would have gone to Alabama instead of Tennessee. So don't, yeah, I get it. You may not be scared, quote unquote. That might be a strong word that I use as a clickbait title on YouTube, but you should be concerned. You should be because this is a powerful brand with a lot of money and a lot of resources behind it. So uh, just wanted to address that. I, I thought it was funny just because we, that's the first time I've posted on YouTube and had, and gotten comment bombed by an opposing fan base. Uh, so I thought it was kind of funny. Just wanted to, to reply. I thought Tennessee fans, there, there were also Tennessee fans in there. that were very, uh, um, they were very supportive. I, I like this the G Smith. He said, we don't give a damn about the whole state of Alabama. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, thank you for the support and and uh, and the when listen. Tennessee does when when Tennessee does beat Alabama again, and it'll happen. I just don't know when. They they better have a locker room video of that song being, being uh, sung, and it better be posted quickly. That will be the day. Literally, it's like if you go, you could win the SEC championship or beat Alabama. So, like, you win the SEC championship, but you lose Alabama. Or you beat Alabama and don't win the SEC championship. I might choose beat Alabama. Like, it's because it's... And and the SEC championship game is obviously win over, I don't know, LSU, somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, man. That's That's going to be... A, a day that will be so gratifying. I do want it. To, I do want it to be against Saban, though. Yeah, I want to beat him while Saban is still here. That's key. So a win over Alabama while Saban is still here. That's a good That's, question. You should take that to Twitter and see what kind of responses. Yeah, it's an interesting poll. We can talk about it on next week's show. Uh, yeah. But I think that's it, Zach. Anything else for the good folks at home uh, that you might want to mention before we we move on to next week? I think I think technically we recorded this on Tuesday. Yesterday was a real busy day. Uh, Tennessee got a basketball commitment this morning, not long before we recorded. So I think our streak kind of continues. Yes, that's true. So we 
Now we we didn't get one. Still waiting, last still waiting week. on the check to come in from Tennessee to cover this. We're going to keep doing this in good faith because uh, I know that check's going to come. I'm, I'm just waiting on it daily. So I hope they on. have heard. They've heard the connection between the podcast and recruits um, committing to Tennessee. Uh, maybe some someday soon. Um, yes, we we got one today. We did miss last week. You can't you can't win them all. You know, it's you're not just going to bat a hundred. That's not nobody yeah, does that. Yeah. Um, but this week we got a, another one. So, Hey, I'll still say it. Tennessee. Hello, somebody write a check for the boys. We, we need yep. it. We, we got to put food on the table, you know? <laughs> so, uh, we'll see if they respond. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. This is the A to Z sports, big orange podcast. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. Every week show has been growing those, those clips on YouTube, man. They pop off. And most weeks, it's not Alabama fans that are watching. Um, it has been actual Tennessee fans that watch, and their response has been awesome. So appreciate everybody that's watching those. Uh, at Charlie underscore Bruce, at Zach D, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com, slash A to Z Sports, natural A to Z Sports.com for the stuff that we write on the internet. A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, rate, review, subscribe, and YouTube.com. Search up A to Z Sports and subscribe and hit that little notification bell on there. And we would appreciate it. And to anybody that is still watching on YouTube, you are a trooper. You will notice over my face right now uh, that there are videos, or at least in a second, there will be videos that pop up that are suggested videos that are more of me and Zach talking about them balls. And you should click on those too. And you should listen to them because we got a whole back catalog at this point of uh, of Big Orange Podcast. So that is it. Thank you again for listening. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.